0: The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel, presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.
1: And The Unlikely Innovators are back. Steve Gravel joining you as always, and I'm joined again by Mike Comito. Mike, I have a sore shoulder because I just got back from the physiotherapist, but uh, I uh, wanted to show you how committed I am to the podcast that I did make it for the recording today.
0: I had no doubt, Steve. Um, Obviously we wouldn't have been able to do it without you. So I appreciate you
1: champing through that. Yeah. And I don't need your praise, but I will take it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I was,
0: I don't know if I was praising you. I think I was just stating the reality that uh, the Unlikely innovators is a, is a two person show and without my uh, co-pilot there is no podcast.
1: There you go. There's some job security in the, in the uh, (laughs) podcasting world after all. Yeah. Um, Ellie Articani, CEO of uh, Meta Technologies, Meta Innovation Technologies, a really slick startup out of the Ottawa ecosystem that focuses on uh, using simulation to train sort of the next generation of uh, geologists and geophysicists. Really cool technology, especially cool uh, person to talk to.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoy talking with Ellie. And I think also, you know, we talked about this in the conversation, but so much of what she said you know, resonated with me. I think that the trend that we've been seeing in applied research at Cambrian over the last few years, as our international student population has grown, is that we're seeing, you know, an increased proportion of international students working for us in applied research to the point where Ellie said that immigrants inherently are entrepreneurs, right? Because they they pack up their lives, they go to a whole new world, they operate in a new environment with very little resources and they make a go of it, right? And I think you see a lot of those similarities in our students who are hungry, you know, to learn, uh, to work on these projects, to engage, to expand their networks. And so um, again, I think this is a, this is a great podcast that I would, I would encourage any, any student at Cambridge to listen to, but particularly our our very entrepreneurial, entrepreneur, uh, international students who are coming over and joining us.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, behind the door of every, uh, seems like every tech uh, company I'm, I'm, you know, working with now is a is a story of internationalization and uh, and, and immigration. I think uh, I don't want to predict this, but I feel like I already know the soundbite for this week when she was talking about how immigrants are entrepreneurs. So
0: I thought it was great. I mean, she had she had again. I think even with uh, you know, kind of delving into you know the the startup mentality and how that's you know similar to to trying to you know corral your kids. Um, yeah, you know, we, we heard that from Brian as well. But I think a lot of the stuff that she said I think holds true. And I think even also you know the her, when we talked with her about how Ottawa, the innovation ecosystem of Ottawa, I think has really helped her again, kind of tying back to the whole, you need that village, not only to raise your company, but also you need a village to to raise your kids because certainly people can do it alone, but it's, uh, it's a much more, uh, I think, efficient and uh, less hair-raising inducing process when you have that village to kind of help you.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll hear more about that startup journey and, and Ellie's journey uh, as we turn over the microphone to her. So now we give you Ellie Articani. All right, we're back with Ellie Akani. I'm gonna read uh, Ellie's bio, but thanks so much for joining Mike and I on this uh, week's episode of the Unlike the Innovators.
2: My pleasure.
1: Okay, so Ellie is the co-founder and CEO of Meta Innovation Technologies. Meta is a tech company providing software solutions for training and AI augmented analy- analytics to energy and the, mi- and the mining industry. Ellie is an accomplished geoscience advisor and award-winning energy tech entrepreneur with a proven history of novel and outside the box workflow development to facilitate multidisciplinary data analytics, visualization, and integrated interpretation. Prior to Meta, she worked in various roles at energy companies such as IOOC, Athabasca Oil Corporation, and ESG Solutions. Ellie holds a PhD in exploration geophysics from the University of Alberta. She's the past chair of the Society of Exploration Geophysicists Women's Network Uh, the Women in AI City Lead for Ottawa, which is super exciting, Uh, and also the SEG JEDI committee member. Now, JEDI sounds super badass, and I'm really, that's really interesting that they named it that, but JEDI is an acronym that stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, Uh, but I think it's still a really cool name and a really worthwhile cause, and she's also an active member of numerous other professional organizations. So once again, Ellie, uh, really great to have you on the pod today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, so that was your professional bio. Um, what Mike and I like to do when we start talking to people is is basically get your journey in your own words, uh, you know, sort of the ins and outs of, of how you uh, ended up where you are today. So uh, just, you know, a few words on on your journey and how you've, you know, arrived where you are right now.
2: Oh, wow, that that would be a very long story <laughs> for sure. And, you know, as you said, there is like, Personal aspect to it, and there's professional aspects to it. Um, But I guess for me, the the personal and professional are kind of like tangled together anyway. And I guess that's the case for most of the entrepreneurs out there uh, or scientists turned entrepreneurs. Um, So I guess I'm I'm going to answer the question more on the career side um, of the things. Um, It's actually funny a story. Um, I uh, as a kid, I was a creative kid. Um, And I was, I always had uh, a knack for art, but I was also a really good student. I don't know if that was fortunate or unfortunate. Um, So I had A classes in physics and math and chemistry. Um, And back then, there was no way that my dad would let me go to art school because I was a good student. Maybe if I wasn't a good student, he would have just let me to go to art school. Um, so anyway, I got into air sciences program at the University of Ashton, um, back in Iran, and uh, which is one of the really good schools back there. And my dad's plan was that, well, I'm gonna get a bachelor degree and I'm gonna become a teacher because that was what women were supposed to do, right? Um, a safe job in a safe environment, dealing with innocent kids. Um, and two years after in the program. Um, I wasn't impressed, that is the funny part. I felt like, oh my God, I'm memorizing geologic times and names of minerals. And, you know, I'm trying to get good grades and pass the courses, but I wasn't really intrigued until I took a course in the third year called Formation Evaluation. Um, and I was hooked. The The fact that I could understand the subsurface with a bunch of wiggles, which we call them geophysical logs, Uh, blowed my mind away. And from that moment, I knew that I wanted to be part of the energy sector, specifically oil and gas. Um, Iran is the OPEC's second largest exporter and the world's fourth largest oil producer. So I chose to go the opposite direction of what my dad imagined to happen. Um, I chose one of the toughest and most male dominated industries to get into. Right after my bachelor's degree, I was one of the 12 people across the country who got admitted to petroleum geology master program at University of Tehran. And in 2009, I immigrated to Canada to continue my studies in geophysics. Um, over the years, well, of course, you, you just introduced me. So i worked in exploration and production companies and oil build service companies and until 2017, Which I co founded Meta with a good bunch. And um, Meta is technically a software as a service company to merge digital technologies into energy and mining industries. Um, Fast forward four years of hard work, and now we provide the largest collection of digital simulations for learning geosciences and engineering to empower the next generation.
0: That's great. And, and, you know, Ellie, one of the things we wanted to ask you as well is that I think, you know, when we have guests on and they talk about, you know, their, their professional journey, but you also had like a, a real journey as well to get to where you are now, you know, 12 years ago, you'd already mentioned that you left Iran to come to Canada. Can you talk about that and preparing for what that would be like, you know, coming across the world and then starting a new life in, in Alberta to continue your studies?
2: Yeah, um, that's crazy for sure. That's a wild journey. I always say immigration is a wild journey. Um, and, you know, it's, been, it's crazy that it's been 12 years already. Um, and so as one of my favorite business advisors, Scott Rante used to say, um, immigrants are practically entrepreneurs because they build a new life from scratch up in a foreign environment with foreign culture, in a foreign language with no to minimum resources. Um, isn't that right? Like it makes sense. Yeah. Um, there are lots of ups and downs in that journey for sure. Um, but the interesting part about it is how much immigration helps with developing life skills. Um, among them, the two most important ones are resiliency and resourcefulness. As an immigrant, you learn to build networks in human circles. Um, around you, wherever you go, in a genuine way, as if the whole world is your home country. Um, I always say I am a global citizen um, because I really don't care where I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel comfortable. Everywhere is my home. Um, Beyond that, as an immigrant, you, you grow to such a position that setbacks and failures and loans in any processes seem just like a step in achieving goals. Um, for me, the loads in the journey make me even more motivated to create a path forward to achieve my goals. I always believe there is a better way. I can find a way around this. And I think these are part of the reasons that, in general, immigrants make such amazing entrepreneurs. There are tons of them if you look around the world. The decision that I made at the age of 24 to immigrate and travel more than 10,000 kilometers and, you know, just withstand not seeing the loved ones, not being in an environment that I knew for 24 years of my life um, to continue my PhD studies in Alberta and stay in Canada had paid off for me um, tremendously. And I am very grateful for that experience.
1: Yeah, I think it's... uh... You know, I see all around us some of the most high tech and creative firms in Canada are developed and co founded by by new Canadians and I think it's just. uh, I really like how you tied that back to you know immigrants are almost incipiently entrepreneurs That's such an interesting uh, tidbit that uh, I'm going to steal and and tell everyone about but I think that's 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 an excellent uh, observation.
0: Yeah, I think, Steve, it even just makes me think of the students that we have working for us in applied research, like we draw quite a bit from the international student population at Cambridge, and I think, yeah, to your point, like, that's exactly what we see right they're so keen to get involved, because I think they already have, you know, that entrepreneurial innovative mind that lends itself nicely to R&D projects.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, I think your your background so interesting, because you do come from a hardcore science background. And we've had a few scientists on the on the program. Uh, that have actually made that transition from the lab to the business world. And they always have interesting takes on, you know, what that's like, because you go from being, you know, a Ph.D. student and, an, and a, a geophysicist, you know, who's practicing in their field to then, you know, having to have this whole new skill set on like making payroll and uh, and, you mm-hmm. know, making strategic decisions on funding and, and doing VC pitches. What's that like? Can you talk a bit about that? I mean, you referred to this as as crossing a hidden bridge, which I thought was such an elegant way of of saying that. But could you talk a bit more about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, as scientists, we are led by our curiosity. Um, We invent and experiment to advance knowledge for the greater good. Uh, With the snowball effect of millions of scientists establishing scientific ground truth, and improving upon them, we move forward as a global society to build a better future, not just for us, but for the generations to come. Um, However, in most cases, us as scientists are not taught to be the ones who put our innovations out into the world in a practical manner, meaning transforming our ideas and innovations into a business, Um, as if there there is world the business world with endless possibilities but no one shows us the way to enter it and that's why i call the path from the science world to business world a hidden bridge um to me many of scientists uh, can make great entrepreneurs and there are a lot of them out there um and they can be awesome business owners but in order to do so, they have to search for that hidden bridge and gear up for the passage.
0: I just I love that. Yeah, I think it's another one that we're going to steal and, and start using that uh, when we're talking to our students and our industry partners. Um, but you know, obviously, like, we haven't really arrived at, at talking about meta, Innovations, uh, techno- or, sorry, meta innovation technology just yet. And so I think that's kind of what this conversation has been leading to. Can you maybe talk a little about what you saw in industry or academia that maybe led to the founding of Meta Innovation Technologies?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So oil and gas, and I guess to some extent, mining industry um, are heavy industries with trillions of dollars in infrastructure. Um, Throughout the years, I recognized how operational focused these industries are. They spend a lot of money to make operational processes as efficient as possible, to decrease costs. However, uh, in most cases, the non-operational processes take a backseat and there is lots and lots of potential there for innovation and for disruption. Um, i give you an example for training solution. So um, one of the solutions that we provide is this learning platform that is all digital and simulation-based. So you learn by doing. Um, you learn those scientific um, concepts that are abstract and harder to learn uh, with actually playing different scenarios and develop an analytical mindset. But um, here's the example of the training solutions like there has been no to very little focus um, and innovation in data space in these two industries for the last century. Uh, They still use traditional methods of learning, such as classrooms for training staff, which ended up costing them $2.8 billion in 2019, according to the survey from the World Training Magazine. Um, The worst part of it is that the cost is repetitive uh, because of the low retention of the training method. Um, And that's why we are determined and we're still you know, have a long way to go to change the perspective and you know the way that the industry thinks about training um, and you know create the the awareness into the market that there is better solution that can disrupt old processes that you had before in place. Uh, But this is why we are determined to disrupt the training methodology for this industry um, using metakinetic learning platform.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting point because I think the appetite among the trainees, those that are seeking the knowledge, is there. I think there's an interesting like gap to bridge because when we talk to any uh, end users in the mining sector, they tell us we're interested in training, but only if it's through doing, only if it's hands on. So I think you're definitely aligned with what the uh, the palette is for the for the user group, and I think that's an important thing uh, to do, right?
2: Absolutely. Um, And there is because the solution, especially the solution that we are providing, is so unique and it's very new to the market. um, The end users, they love it. They want it. It's just how we can change the mindset of the corporate Mm -hmm. about the advantages of having something truly digital, but getting the end users the interactivity that they need. To, to have a higher retention training or learning experience. Um, I think that's the place that you still need a way to go, especially in mining industry and you know, oil and gas. Um, however, I think we're getting there and it's, it's very exciting.
1: Yeah, and that's why you have to be a good CEO because for the, for the longest time, you're the salesperson in chief, right? You have to, you have to <laughs> tell, tell them why it might make sense from a dollars and cents perspective. Um, one thing that I find really fascinating is that you're, uh, you know, you're a product of the Ottawa ecosystem. And I think that, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time when I worked at OCE at Bayview Yards and the new Bayview Yards building. Um, Mm. but it's such an interesting ecosystem that you have going there in Ottawa. I, I wanted to know if you could talk a bit about how the ecosystems helped you and, you know, what are, what are the things that people might not know about the Ottawa ecosystem that's so attractive to startups like you?
2: Yeah. Um, So I could not agree more with that statement. Um, The community, honestly, is one of the most motivated, like the best motivators and um, supporter of the startups, um, especially in Ottawa. Now, we have been fortunate enough to be part of the portfolio companies for Invest Ottawa um, and um, believe I I'm, I'm, uh, believe me when I say that they do whatever they can in their power to support startups throughout their growth stages. Um, in addition, Ottawa itself is such a rich environment in terms of business and tech talent uh, that you know guarantees success if you learn how to tap into it. Um, I consider us lucky to be headquartered, honestly, in Ottawa, um, because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good sized city, you still have access to lots of things and lots of people, but also you're not getting too competitive and too overwhelming when it comes to hiring and when it comes to advisors and business resources and funding and those sort of things. So I would honestly, if I could put a recommendation in there for the people who are listening if they are founders of the companies, it doesn't matter what the stage they are in. If they are at the ideation stage or they are at the growth stage, even if they are at the scale of a, scale, a stage and you know they grew their revenues to millions of dollars, um, it's always good to have supporters in the community and have a good ecosystem um, around you. So Invis Ottawa provides that um, literally for every single stage and they have a ton of good advisors that people can tap into free of charge, literally. Um, And I cannot recommend them more um, for any of the entrepreneurs that are out there and seeking some sort of help or network or anything like that.
0: That's great. And I think that's been a recurring theme on the podcast is I think Steve and I highlighting just how important these ecosystems are to the development of a lot of these companies. So obviously you're, you're living proof of that. But speaking of Ottawa, you know, Steve and I like to do our homework before we have our guests on. And, you know, we came across an Ottawa Business Journal article that featured you. And, and one of the things you mentioned in the article is how, you know, uh, running a startup is like raising a kid. And it's we flagged that one because we actually had Brian Lee from Normative on the podcast, you know, a few episodes ago. And he actually said the same thing to us when we asked him about what was fathered like in a pandemic. And it was the first time we had heard that before. And I loved it because as a father myself, like, I really saw a lot of parallels there. But can you maybe talk a little bit more about, uh, about that and what your experience has been from that perspective?
2: Yeah. So I absolutely agree with Brian and also you as a father. So there are are plenty of similarities between the two. Um, Just like raising a child, building a business takes a village. Um, And I guess that's the point that I was trying to to make when I was talking to Ottawa Business Journal. Um, If you are building a business, your co-founders, your employees, investors, mentors, advisors, blah, blah, blah. And your community are part of that village. There is no way that an entrepreneur can do it all on their own. It is so critical to have that village. I cannot emphasize that more. Um, Another way of looking at it is uh, the fast-paced experiential and iterative process that is implemented, implemented in both journeys, meaning as raising raising a child and building a business, um, you have to be proactive and learn very very quickly to make sure that the ship is not sinking.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's funny, yeah, because sometimes I feel like you know my wife and I feel like we're the co-founders of the company, but I think you know it's the little ones who are running the show sometimes. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's always interesting.
2: So true. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I just hope you're not prone uh, to, for hostile takeover anytime soon, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe in a
0: few more years, we'll see. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, male domination and I think like mining oil and gas are some of the whitest and in male dominated industries, you know, it's still, you know, with that legacy of, uh, you know, you know, of that kind of demographic that's been attracted to those fields. And I think uh, it's starting to change and like we sort of have an interesting perch to sort of see that change. And you're definitely part of that change, Ellie. I wanted to ask you what advice you might have for other women of color trying to get into these white male dominated spaces. And, you know, what what has worked for you, uh, you know in sort of tearing down some of those barriers you as you've progressed Meta and through your career? Well, first
2: of all, thank you so much for considering me as, you know, one of the change-makers um, in, in the scenery, um, but I guess in terms of advice, I would say whatever you do, do not give up. Uh, there are two things that I believe are key differentiators between successful people and not as as much successful people um, with society standards in mind, obviously. Uh, one is grit, meaning how far you can hold on to your fort and the second one is risk-taking and being open to opportunities. Um, I think those are the two most important things that you have to always keep in mind as a woman of color um, or in general as a woman in these industries.
1: Yeah, and I think there, uh, one thing that uh, you know other people are bringing up all the time is, is in order to be a successful sort of disruptor, there has to be a degree of empathy that you have when you're dealing with, with the people around you. And I think that that's something that, uh, you know, women, woman or, or, or man has been like a hallmark of some of the successful companies we've seen and had on the podcast. Do you think that that's also something that, you know, in the success that you have had, uh, is is that something that's also shone through a bit? I know I'm going a bit off script, but it just seems to be uh, such a natural topic.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, in, in, like in general, whenever, and it doesn't matter if you're selling an idea, if you're selling a product, if you, if you build something and you're trying to convince someone that this is going to solve their issue. The first thing that you need to do is understand their pain point. That is number one thing. And that takes a lot of empathy. Um, you have to really have conversation with the clients and customers to see what is the thing that they really want? Like what is the thing that doesn't let them sleep at night? Mm-hmm. Um, and then through that way of conversation, you get to the point that you're like, okay, you know what? I can help you with this specific solution if you allow me. Um, and I mean, I never try to hard sell anything to anyone. It doesn't matter if it's my ideas. It doesn't matter if it's, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, if it's all paradox, like never, never, ever we do that we always have conversations and we do a lot of conversations in terms of what are the problems, what are the measures for it in place? And if it could help in any aspects of those problems to, to be solved, uh, we go through that route. It, it's, it's such a shift within the industry actually, even in terms of products, we're shifting from product focus to user focus. It everything is about the user, everything is about the user experience, the client experience. Um, Those are the things that, especially in the scenery of sales, um, they are changing. There is no one knocking at your door trying to sell you insurance anymore, right? Right, Uh, People really try to understand things. So um, in that case, that's pretty much, it's very in line with what you said, but I totally believe that as well. It's a bit just harder in terms of oil and gas industry and mining uh, because you actually have to find the ears to to listen and the people who actually speak about the problems. Um, so it's it's a, you know, it's a work in progress
1: for sure.
0: Well, that's great. And, and Ellie, obviously, you know, that as as a startup founder, um, you know, you rarely have a spare moment. Um, and again, we appreciate you taking the time so far. But before we let you go, we have to ask you. You know, when you do have those spare moments, um, how do you like to spend your time? Do you have any hobbies that you'd like to share, uh, just to kind of give another, you know, perspective of, of you as, a, you know, as a person?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're right; it's really hard to get any spare time as an entrepreneur, indeed. Um, but I do a lot of community volunteer work on my spare time because I'm just passionate about the cause. Um, And they are mostly focused on promoting gender parity and representing minorities in professional settings from geophysics physics to technology. Um, But I also really like to work on personal projects that are kind of hard um, and difficult and take a lot of creativity and involve a lot of learning. I love learning. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, currently I'm working on this personal project, which is updating uh, Heritage House and restoring the Heritage House in St. John's, Newfoundland. And uh, believe me, I am no architect or a civil engineer, but I'm putting my resourcefulness into work. And it's been a lot of learning and it's been a pleasure.
1: See, Mike, that's why we asked that question. I, it's always something <laughs> super shocking, but we're dealing with some of the most high-flying people in Canada. And I think that, that doesn't even shock me at this point that you'd be doing something that ambitious, Ellie. <laughs> um, listen, Ellie Ardekani, uh, you've been super generous with your time and I know we want uh, you to get back on the battlefield now and, and go uh, work on your business more. Uh, but I uh, just wanted to thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today and for sharing your insights. I'm sure they're gonna be valuable for our listeners to, uh, to hear and understand.
2: No worries. I, I had such a good time talking to you guys.
0: Well, Steve, that was a great chat with Ellie, uh, and you lined that up. Uh, So again, I guess I should be thanking you, but also thanking Ellie for coming on and and talking with us today.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, since we've recorded this, uh, we are now a pilot uh, of hers. So we're going to be adopting some of the meta innovation technologies into our third year mining engineering technology course. So, you know, uh, got a little bit of business development done at the same time. So I think it's interesting uh, that we practice what we preach at the college, you know, we we do want to be, you know, adopters of really uh, slick and innovative technologies, and it made sense. So I just wanted to put that out there as well that we're now a client of of Ellie's as well.
0: That's great. See the podcast; it's it's getting yeah. stuff done. Um, it's, bring, I, I think... it's
1: bringing it's bringing people together. It's getting business done. I just can't say enough about how this is the the most disruptive and transformational podcast on the airwaves right now. <laughs>
0: Well, I I couldn't agree more. And I I think the one thing I'd want to say, Steve, just while you're talking about about class, I know that by the time people hear this, Cameron will be back from study week, uh, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, October 25th to the 29th. But I just want to share with you how excited I am for study week. I don't think I've ever been more excited in my entire life. (laughs) Um, You know, even my own academic journey. um, I don't know if I've shared this in the podcast, but I have been teaching a course this semester Uh, art and design communication within the graphic design program, which I've enjoyed a lot. I think it's been great to get back in the classroom, albeit in a virtual format, but you underestimate, you know, just how much work is required. I think sometimes in starting and teaching a course for the first time while trying to manage your full-time job and your family. And so um, I I look forward to getting back in the classroom when we hear this podcast in November, but Mm -hmm. as of today, you know, I am very excited. I have no plans for study week because obviously I have to work. But I cannot remember this feeling of, of approaching that final class before a study week and just wanting to cut loose.
1: Speaking of class, you have to go to class. I'm reminded of the heritage <laughs> moment. Uh, <laughs> you're going to miss your train, Joe. <laughs> you know, and the... In the uh, oh. Superman one, the Joe Schuster.
0: You and I could probably do an episode just reciting lines from Heritage Minutes.
1: I would absolutely love that. The listeners would hate it, but I come
0: would love doing on, that. Vince, come on.
1: There are three thousand people aboard that train. We have to stop it. Oh. Acknowledge. Anyway, <laughs> that's a little bit of a self-indulgence. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. We had super uh, amounts of fun with Ellie, and uh, catch us next time.
0: The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.